Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hey everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the Iowa Agronomy Update. Wow, what a difference a year makes. Uh, it's amazing how quick things uh, can turn, uh, and you guys are are certainly uh, amazing and and how much work uh, you guys can get done in in a short amount of time. So uh, as we speak in a matter of two weeks, we've got guys that are parking planters and have the herbicides on and and certainly uh, props go out to all of you that worked long hours to to get all that done. Uh, For this episode, we brought in uh, Iowa State Extension Agronomist Megan Anderson and uh, Megan, uh, his background is in weed science. And so we want to talk a little bit about some implications, uh, around, uh, you know, maybe putting some of this herbicide on some dry soils. Uh, what does that mean? How much rain do we need? And then we also, uh, kind of ended up talking a little bit about frost damage and maybe what to look for, uh, this weekend weekend. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy it uh, and uh, certainly uh, tune back in and, and hear what we've gotten in, in another couple weeks and, and, and hopefully uh, we've uh, growing season continues. Uh, but certainly uh, props again and, and thanks go out to everybody on, on a job well done on a, on a good fast growing season and hope it was safe for all of you. Thanks for listening and, and hope to hear you again. Thank you. Hey everyone, and welcome back to a new edition of the Iowa Agronomy Update. And wow, what a difference a year makes uh, in planting season. Uh, hard to believe what we went through in 2019, and here we are uh, on May May 7th, and we are uh, pretty much wrapping up in a lot of areas. And thought. Um, so with that, uh, we thought we'd bring a, a new guest uh, to the podcast, and we thought we'd kind of keep the theme here the same and, and stay with Iowa State University and Extension. And uh, we brought in our Central Iowa uh, Extension agronomist, Megan Anderson. Hey, Megan, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Brent. Well, thanks for thanks for joining the podcast and and uh, really appreciate kind of the the uh, neutral third party view on on things here and how they've played out this season and and really just you know just kind of want to talk a little bit about you know what we've seen here in the last you know it's been a quick two two three weeks but why don't you give our audience a little bit of background on you know your time with extension and the area that you cover and some of your uh, education on where your background sits. Yeah, so uh, I'm an extension field agronomist here in central Iowa right now. So I, I basically serve uh, nine counties as a resource to farmers and, and others in agriculture uh, to be exactly what you said, that kind of third party opinion. Um, I get a, a little bit of a chance to dabble in some research. We do a lot of field days and I do a lot of outreach and and other programming for farmers and uh, mostly service providers to farmers as well, right? We rely very heavily on training the trainer. So the the counties that I serve right now are uh, Boone, Story, Marshall, Tama, Dallas, Polk, Jasper, and Madison and Warren. And I've only been here in central Iowa for, gosh, I don't know, like a year and a half or so, maybe a little bit more. 
And prior to that, I was over in East Central Iowa in the same position. So I've worked for Iowa State for maybe uh, just a little bit over five years um, and gotten a chance to move around a little bit. And I actually moved uh, back to Central Iowa because it got me closer to my home farm so I can sufficiently annoy my family uh, more, <laughs> which is very important. Yes, right. It, it's a uh part of uh part of the process right of uh passing on the torch right? that's so. that's right so my my brother and my dad farm and and luckily or unluckily for for all of us we're just a little bit closer together now yeah so inquiring minds want to know are are your brother and your dad uh the hardest challenge calls that you have to make uh well i know no, they're pretty low maintenance, <laughs> I would say. Okay. Uh, I think I think probably the the hardest thing is that people, when I speak with other farmers, I always get the well, like I know you don't want to tell me exactly what to do, but what would you tell your brother? And yeah. and that's yes. always tough because because yeah. you try to remain pretty neutral and and just present different options, but but people want answers. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And that, and certainly appreciate uh, the work that you, you guys do for us there at extension. So, and, and Megan, your, your background, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're a weed science background, correct? Yes. I'm a, a, okay. a master's weed scientist. I, I did not okay. get a PhD, but yes, I, I attended Iowa state for my undergrad and then I stayed on with Dr. Bob Hartzler and got a master's yeah. degree and, uh, study mostly focusing on cover crops. So the effect of cover crops on weed emergence and then the effect of herbicides on cover crops. Okay, good. Well, that uh, that's good to know as well. We'll, uh, we'll have to touch base here again on some cover crop topics here as we maybe dive deeper here into the, into the growing season. But what, you know, just let's back up here a little bit and let's think, think back here to where we were, you know, just a three, three short weeks ago. Right. So we had a cold spell come through. We had some probably, I'm sure you probably fielded a number of calls, right. Of, you know, Hey, I got, I planted some crops and now it froze and had snow on it. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, how did, you know, what did those stands look like? Did we, did we suffer any stand loss or how did, you know, did, did they ultimately come out of that? Or I'm sure you fielded a number of calls there. Yeah. So I, I've gotten a chance to look at some that are just, you know, they were just in the process of emerging maybe late last week uh, uh, before we got this rainfall come through. And some of the really early planted stuff I've seen some unevenness in, but as I drive down the road and I happen upon a field that that's been emerged, you know, we have some really incredible genetics nowadays and there's some really beautiful looking corn that's already up out of the ground that was almost certainly either planted right before we got cold or maybe planted right after um, that cold spell ended. So maybe the 18th, 19th, 20th, yeah. Um, yeah. but stuff it, I mean, things look really, really nice so far, but that, that doesn't mean that every field does. So we always want to get out and take a look at those stands, of course, uh, and, you know, see if everything's up in it, that kind of V1, it's got one nice leaf out stage, uh, but they're missing plants. I think it's, it's fair to say it's 
we should dig those up and see what's going on with them. Yeah. And so you touched on that 19th, 20th window, and that's, that's pretty much when we, everybody kind of filled the planner, wanted to check things out. And I don't think we, uh, we stopped until we were done. Right. So it was pretty much uh, in our area. Uh, go, uh, go, go, go. And I, I, you know, I, I felt like conditions were, were pretty good in that time frame. I mean, no, not overly wet. And soil conditions seem to be right. I don't know. Did you see much difference? Or- yeah. So I, I mean, I talked to a lot of farmers who said that this was absolutely best soil conditions they've ever planted into really from, you know, that time frame April 19th or 20th onward, uh, things were, were fantastic. I mean, so good. In fact, that I think some farmers were maybe wishing they would just get a little hint of some rain so that they could take a quick break for a few hours because it was just go, go, go the whole time. Um, But really toward the end of April there, uh, some fields that had some tillage done in them this spring were really starting to get pretty dry. And I know, I, I mean, I don't know how much corn was going into dry soil, but I definitely know that some soybeans were going into fairly variable moisture conditions, I would say, where, you know, maybe one seed is is in moisture at an inch and a half deep and you go 20 feet in another direction and it's just powder dry. And so I, I imagine that that was not terribly unusual, just given the fact that we were so short on rain um, and conditions were so good for planting that everything was getting done. <laughs> So certainly something that we'll want to watch here now that we've got moisture, see uh, what those stands look like uh, in those tillage, uh, making sure that we are in consistent moisture here. Um, that'll be something to watch here this week uh, as well as those start to emerge. I know our our first planted stuff around April 20th uh, is, is up. Uh, we can row that corn from that April 20th. So... Um, that that's good to see and and a little bit a little bit of um you know that initial first day kind of unevenness so we'll see what what tomorrow brings uh but gdu wise i I was running some numbers megan and and i've been getting a lot of comparisons uh, hearing a lot of comparisons to wow you know last time i finished planting crops in april was 2012 right and so we hate to bring up that year. yeah let's not uh, talk about that <laughs> yeah right i don't i don't no jinx no jinxes here on the iowa agronomy update but uh certainly a lot of comparisons being thrown around and and uh but i i ran i ran a quick comparison here on gdus and really uh 10-year average is uh from uh, insurance date to may you know that first week of may is right around 183 uh, GDUs and we're sitting at about 180. So I'd say on average, we're doing good that, that, that year that we're not talking about, uh, had about a hundred more at the same time. Wow. So certainly a lot warmer, uh, that, that year, um, as well. So maybe debunk the myth here on the Iowa agronomy update that, you know, not a fair comparison to 2012 right now. Now, GDU wise yeah. precipitation wise is probably a different story. Right. right? Um, uh, I know 
I believe you shared on Twitter and, and Dr. Hartzler shared the precipitation map of that uh, last part of April. Uh, yeah, it, it we're, and you also mentioned the everybody kind of needing that rain day. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I felt, I felt the pain there, but what, so not having, you know, just going full steam ahead for, for two weeks there on planting and, and not having that, that rain day, what are some implications there that we need to be watching out for in our cropping systems because of that lack of moisture in that time frame? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the biggest thing that was really on our mind as we came into early May and really, I think up until maybe 24 hours before we finally got rainfall, the chances were not all that great for for the whole of central Iowa to get much rain. So we were thinking, you know, we've had some some of these pre-herbicides on for for two plus weeks with absolutely no rain on them, sitting on on really quite dry surface soils, right? Good moisture down below at two plus inches, tiles are still running. But right where the weeds are going to be germinating, right where that herbicide needs to be acting, there really isn't moisture to get the herbicide into solution. So that was that was something at the at the top of my mind. Um, and it's something I think we're still going to need to be monitoring for, even though we did get some pretty good rainfall here um, just in the last, you know, several days. Uh, but we're going to want to be watching to to make sure that we didn't have any weeds that have kind of escaped through in that gap time. Yeah. So in that gap time, you are you talking about the the application date to basically getting it into solution? Right. Right. So if we applied that herbicide to those dry, dry soils on the surface and there wasn't enough moisture there in the soil to get it into solution, uh, but perhaps there was enough moisture uh, in that zone, maybe the upper half inch or so, maybe close to an inch of soil where those those weed seeds are going to be germinating that, you know, they're most susceptible right after they start that germination process. Um, and there is a chance with some herbicides that they can escape uh, during that time, right? So if they're up above the ground, you see those cotyledons, uh, there's quite a few herbicides that aren't going to be able to, you know, once they get in solution, be able to kill a plant that's already up out of the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you're, you're, you're saying here now we need to be watching for those escapes. And, and then I, so then that would affect our, our, well, a number of things, right? So your, your post application date could be, could be moved up. You know, maybe you weren't planning a post application, right? Either, right. So maybe you had a one, maybe as a one pass program. So, so a number of implications there that we need we need to watch out for. I, I, I'm guessing there, and, and really, now that we have that moisture, you know, and a little sunshine here today, you know, these these next few days, I'm guessing, Megan, is probably the time to be. Watching. Yeah, I think uh, definitely when when we're out looking at these crops that we planted, right, you're going to want to be out scouting uh, to make sure that your corn and soybeans are emerging like we expect them to. And it's a great time to just look around and and see whether or not you've got any weeds coming up uh, that you are not expecting um, because of that pre perhaps not working the way that it should have toward the end of April. 
Um, I'm pretty hopeful based on on some of the rainfall that we did get, but just looking at the the precipitation that has come in the last handful of days, there are some areas that still only got, you know, maybe one or two tenths of rain uh, during that time. So there are still some areas that could be a little bit drier. Yeah, I, that was my, you led right into my next question, Megan, uh, is really just, I know the magic number that's always kind of floating around there is we need a half inch to kind of activate that. And that's certainly, I know that, our number of pockets right that didn't didn't get that much uh so you're talking quarter inch maybe three tenths in some spots you know what what's the magic number i mean did is that was that quarter inch enough to get into solution or do we still need some more here to keep it keep it yeah that's a like a million dollar question you asked right so <laughs> i mean for most yeah. herbicides i would say a, a half inch is going to cover us right a quarter inch may be marginal, um, especially if we were really dry to begin with, which we we were in some areas. Um, it may also depend on residue cover, right? So how much of it needs to actually get washed off residue to begin with to actually get into the soil to get into solution. Um, and then herbicides themselves are going to have different water solubilities and they're going to have different um, tightness with which they attach to the soil. And so that's, you know, that's far deeper than anybody wants to talk about. But I think, I think farmers <laughs> can be pretty familiar with products like Prowl and Treflan, um, that they really need the rainfall or they need to be incorporated into that soil or they're just not going to move, right? They just don't move fast enough for us. Um, so products like that are going to take quite a bit more water than, than some of the other herbicides that we use in the spring. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good, good stuff there, Megan. I'm, I'm just, what I'm taking away is really just, you know, we need to be watching here, scouting, uh, scouting our stands and, and really making sure that seed was in moisture and then making sure we, what our escapes look like here coming out of this, coming out of this dry period. So, well, and let's, let's hope we come out of the dry period little bit but I, I guess now um, let's let's turn the page here and, and I guess we technically we did turn the calendar to May uh, this weekend though uh, isn't gonna feel like it though no I was really getting used to those 70 degree temperatures right things have things have taken yeah. a dramatic turn and hopefully this is the last of it right I want to be able to put the jacket away and and not worry about my yeah. tomatoes and stuff and not worry about our corn and soybeans after this weekend. Right. Yeah. So the, the weatherman is, is pretty adamant that we need to probably cover, cover things up on the garden uh, this weekend, but uh, not, not possible for these early planted soybeans that got into good moisture and good temps and come flying out of the ground. So what, um, <laughs> you know, what's the, what do we, what do we, I mean, obviously we know what we need to watch out for, um, you know, certainly freezing, freezing temps here this, this weekend, but um, probably the river bottoms, I'm guessing we need to watch um, what kind of damage, you know, low level damage can we expect if we do get a little tinge of frost? I mean, corn, I mean, let's, 
let's be honest, corn, corn's still yeah. good, right? We're yeah, there's, I, I don't think corn. there's any way that, that we get cold enough to, to do much damage to corn. That's, but that's not to say that we're, we're not going to see something visually on those plants, right? They, you know, just like I don't like to be out in freezing temperatures unprotected, the corn plant is not going to enjoy it either. Um, so if we get cold enough, you know, we may see some browning of the tissue above ground, but the nice thing is, is the corn plant's got that growing point below ground. It's down close to the seed, really, underneath the soil. Um, so it's protected and, and it's going to be much more, you know, the growth of that plant underneath the ground anyway is going to be much more dictated by the soil temperature than the air temperature, which is good news. Yeah. Um, the, the only the only thing maybe on corn is that maybe if we have a section of the audience that isn't done yet uh, planting that that might still be putting some corn in maybe they went to beans first and they're finishing up on corn you know maybe that first drink of water if they do get some planted here on Thursday Friday you know maybe touch a little bit on that about that potential of that first drink of water uh, on yeah the first couple yeah, exactly. So that's, there are a few things when we get cold that we worry about early in the season. So frost above ground is the, is the issue for things that are emerged. Um, we're not real worried about it killing the plants. We're just going to see some visual. Those seeds that are still below the soil surface, um, we think of imbibitional chilling and cold stress. Those are the two big things. And so that imbibitional chilling really typically happens when the corn is exposed to very cold temperatures, typically by absorbing very cold water, um, less than maybe 43 to 45 degrees uh, during the first like 24 to 36 hours after um, planting, right? So it's gonna start absorbing water right away. That's a, a pretty passive process. That's, um, it. the seed can't just shut down and wait for warmer temperatures it's gonna absorb the water no matter what. So we always wanna monitor um, our planting timing and we can use those cold temperatures to maybe say, might not be the best time to plant, you know, 12 hours before this uh, cold temperature comes yeah. this weekend. Um, but do you think though, I mean, I mean, this is a little bit different than a typical time that we talk about, you know, a chilling effect. I mean, we do have a little leeway in soil temps already, right? I mean, we, we've seen the spike up, uh, you know, in the soil temps. We, we do probably have a little bit of leeway already in the soil. Yeah, temps. we're definitely a lot more protected than if we would have been having this conversation on April 8th or 9th uh, before Easter weekend when we got cold and we stayed cold for a lot longer. So this should be a, a much shorter event. We've got soil temps this morning are already, you know, at four inches, they're 48, 52 degrees, somewhere in the low 50s, upper 40s, and they'll warm um, more today here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're a lot more protected, right? It's always, uh, I'm always surprised at how little injury I see, even when people go in and plant right before we get cold. Right. Even some of the stuff that was planted before April 12th really on the whole looks pretty good. But there's always a risk that maybe you lose 
a half a percent extra stand or something as a result of this. So again, it's just something we got to scout for, right? We just, we just have to, you know, realize the potential risks, weigh the risks against the reward, right? You know, we've got pretty good conditions to be plant. We had great conditions in April, um, but we had good conditions to be planting. And, you know, there's always the risk that things could be either better or worse in the future. And it's just weighing your options. The, the soybeans that are emerged though, right? Those are going to be a, maybe a little bit of a different story, but it really, it, it depends a lot on how cold we get and what stage they're at, right? How far along are those beans? Because they're pretty tolerant to cold temperatures uh, and they're going to be buffered just like the corn is from our warmer soils. And, and so probably the most susceptible part of that plant is going to be if the soybeans are up above ground and those cotyledons have opened out and that little uh, apical meristem or the primary growing point um, is not going to be as tolerant to cold temperatures as like the cotyledons would be because the cotyledons are kind of waxy. They're really thick. Um, they the whole plant has pretty high solute and sugar concentrations, which makes it harder for it to freeze. But those little leaves up at the top are just going to be a little bit more susceptible, right? And less protected when they're opened up like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, you know, there's, there's going to be a number of different factors here, right? Obviously you touched on one is the, the temperature that we do, yeah. that we do get to right uh and then then you're gonna have uh you know your environment which will be what probably like your tillage definitely uh, residue cover things like that you know your your bare you know your high tillage ground is not gonna have i mean you're gonna have a little bit of soil uh, warmth maybe protecting but but then you lose a little bit of the residue to help cover yep. cover it up yeah a little bit of that buffering capacity is is gone. And then of course the topography, right? Just like you mentioned, the placement within yep. the field, those lower lying areas, there's a there's a good chance that they're gonna get yep. colder air temperatures anyway. Yep. Yeah, if you're out scouting, I'm guessing that'd be the place that I would point to first, maybe to go check on, on damage. And how so if you know if we get to let's say we get to 30 31 32 megan um how soon can we start to see some superficial yeah so you would maybe be able to pick up frost if you went out really early in the morning the following morning right so if we were out really early saturday morning you may actually be able to see the frost on the plant and probably within the next 24 hours, you'd be able to see whether the leaf tissue is browning or not. Uh, and then we would suggest we're going to be a little bit chillier at the beginning of this next week. Uh, but I would say definitely by Wednesday, you should be able to pretty clearly see if uh, that crop is regrowing, which I expect it would be. Um, but you can start monitoring for that recovery uh, from any frost injury. And, you know, I was just looking at some photos from a colleague of mine from 2014 and their closest weather station measured 26 degrees Fahrenheit for a short period um, over the course of an evening in the middle of May. And uh, they saw recovery uh, 
start within, you know, maybe 48 to 72 hours. And within 11 days, you couldn't even tell it had been frosted. A little, a little reassurance here because I, I, I mean, I don't think I've seen any forecasts go that low right. uh, yet. Um, but certainly, that's what I feel like. I look at it every couple certainly. hours, right? It just goes, it keeps going a little bit lower. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I haven't seen anything that low. I've seen maybe yeah. thirty-four to thirty-six, right? And that those temperatures yep. are going to be taken yep. at you know, several meters in the air normally, they're not taken right at ground level. So that, that'll be a little bit different, but yep. we'll just, we'll have to see, we'll wait and see and get some good photos hopefully. And I assume that everything's going to be yeah. fine. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. It just, it's just something to watch out for. Right. I mean, it's just something, you know, nothing, we couldn't have it perfect. Right. I think, you said that earlier on is it's like it went, almost went too nice here in April. And now of course we got to have a curveball thrown at us here by mother nature. Yeah, that's right. I think anybody, you know, if I asked anybody, I think that we would pretty much all take this over what happened last spring, knock on wood. So yeah. I'm, yeah, it, it can't be perfect. They, we got to stay on our toes. Megan, anything else we missed or need to touch on here before we uh, go or, or not? I don't think so. I mean, I hope we have a, a really good growing season. I'm optimistic based on the great start that we've had. Um, yeah. And I yeah. appreciate you having me on here. I'm, I'd like everybody to know that I'm a resource, right? In addition to, to everyone else that, that yeah. they already have as resources, yeah. I, I love trying to, to help out and answer questions and, you know, I spend a lot of time looking at weird stuff that happens in crop fields, <laughs> sort of a, an yeah. exercise in, uh, you know, my Sherlock Holmes skills some days, but, but I, <laughs> how can, how can, uh, how can the audience, um, if they're on Twitter, maybe. Yeah. So I, I keep pretty active on Twitter cause it's an easy way for me to communicate out stuff that I'm seeing in the field. So my, I guess they call it a handle, right? My my Twitter handle is at yep, yep. MJ Anders, A-N-D-E-R-S, and then the number one um, on Twitter. Okay. Well, Megan, thanks a lot for being our kind of third-party kind of weed science expert here today. Certainly appreciate your, your expertise on, on maybe um, – on relieving some of our worries or, or maybe not worries or just a couple concerns here that we need to watch out for in our scouting here in the next, next week and a half. And so appreciate you coming on and, and hope to have you on. Maybe yeah, we'll that'd be great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah, no, thanks a lot. And thanks again for everybody for joining and we'll, uh, we'll be back again in a couple weeks with a new update and, and we'll, uh, We'll uh, proceed as the growing season goes on. So thanks a lot for joining us. Have a